0: How are you doing, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Colin. Ooh, look, I've got some coffee all over my mug here. Uh, yes, it is Monday, and it is time for another inspiring episode here tonight. We are going to be further, further creating more awareness and insight and empowerment around the conversation of money. Now... There's three things that most people advise you not to talk about. Money, politics, and religion. And I talk about all three because a lot of this stuff is so important that we do talk about it because when we don't talk about things, we go into life and we make decisions that are uninformed. And this has been part of my path over the past few years where I've really been diving deep into creating more financial awareness and uh, learning what are what are good investments, what are bad investments. I've been investing in real estate now for over the past seven years. And uh, tonight's guest has been a financial advisor for over thirty years. He's the chairman and CEO of Berkshire Advisors, and he's also written a couple of books. And I am actually uh, doing the audio book for one of them. We share the same publisher, Melissa Wilson. And uh, his first book, Messages from the Money Masters, is available on Amazon and where all books are sold. And in this book, he interviews a bunch of very successful uh, advisors who have been in in the space such as real estate and uh, investments in the stock market, Susie Orman, Warren Buffett, you name it. He's uh, interviewed a bunch of really top financial advisors in there and uh, very successful people in the financial world and then his next book 33 ways not to screw up your financial life is the book that I'm currently doing the audiobook for. So this is available now on Amazon and I'm going to be doing uh, we're going to be launching the audiobook version of this um, very soon but I wanted to have him jump on here tonight so he could share with you how he got started as a financial advisor and give you some insights and some tips and some strategies on how to create financial abundance and awareness for yourself so that we are able to create more abundance and, uh, and uh, all that great stuff in our lives. Because again, if we don't know the information, if we, if we don't know how to make these decisions, a lot of the times we can be paralyzed and we are afraid of the future if we don't know what it looks like. So this is why I'm really excited to have him on tonight's show to uh, share with you some insight some knowledge around money and financial awareness. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, pr- please welcome to the stage, Mr. Jay Kimmer. How are you doing? Hey. Man? Hi, Colin. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing great. Thanks.
1: Good to see you as well. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show tonight. It's been quite a pleasure. I've been looking forward to it for probably well over a month. Yeah. So it's great to join you tonight.
0: Yeah, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to read your book, and as I've been doing this audio book, I've been picking up uh, and rereading about some some tips and strategies that you kind of hear about in the news, and you pick up little different tips here and there, and I uh, just want to just start out by uh, asking, you know, what is it about uh, financial awareness and investing um, that attracted you to it? How did you get started in it, and uh, and Where did your path begin? Well, um, I
1: was uh, born in a small town outside of Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, My father worked two jobs his whole life. And I learned at a very young age that working hard can get you only so far. That education around money and things like that um, were really, really going to be the most important thing you could do. And so at a very young age, I started investing in the stock market. I was like 18 And so I always had an interest in that because coming from a family of five, you know, we never went hungry at night, but we never had all the luxuries and things that maybe some of the, you know, other families might've had. And so I took a real strong interest at a young age because I always wanted to be, feel that I was working towards being more financially independent. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: at the age of 25, after working at some dead end jobs, I, Answered an ad in the local paper, and it was for a manager trainee for an investment company called First Investors out of, out of New York. And they were hiring invest, uh, investment management trainees. And what really inspired me about that position was that they were going to teach me to teach other people how to become financially independent and hopefully wealthier than if they didn't have the training and education that we were going to, to give them. And so that's kind of how it all started. And, um, and so here we are 30 plus years later, and uh, needless to say, it's been a, a great journey.
0: So you'd say it was born out of your desire to uh, just growing up in that type of household, watching your father work really hard. And I think we all know people who work really hard and you know that expression trading hours for dollars is something where people are really trying to try to escape from, you know, it's uh, there's I know some people who have three jobs. Um, I currently have like 12 jobs because I'm doing so much. But um, in terms of creating this financial awareness, it's what would you say is a good place to start for someone who has maybe a nine to five job and who is uh, is looking to to plan for the future? Because I think a lot of people get a nine to five job and you know, if you're lucky enough to have a 401k or a pension or something like that, people sock away money in that 401k and then just kind of hope and pray that by the time they retire, they have enough money in there. Um, it sounds like that's not where, what you wanted your financial future to look like. Is that accurate and why you really got into, uh, into this world?
1: I would say yes. I mean, I, um, I was tired of getting um, hand-me-down clothes as a, as a child. Mm -hmm. I never had my own bike. I had hand-me-down bikes Mm -hmm. and you know, that's, I just knew from watching my father work so hard that it it, it can only take you so far. And so I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit and I wanted to always wanted to be able to drive my own drive to my own destiny. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just uh, working a nine to five job uh, doesn't, doesn't guarantee that. And some people do, some people land some very nice careers uh, and they do save money, but um, it goes a lot further than that. You, you really need to d- dive deeper and know some of the basics. I mean, you might have a 401k, but you might not invest it properly. And, or you might make the wrong decisions at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can hurt you too. There's, a, there's a, a calculation out there. I think Vanguard actually did it that, that shows that the average investor earns less than what the average market performs over a long period of time because they're always in and out of the market at the wrong time. And if you mm-hmm. miss the one or two days of the market being up each year, you miss a lot of the return. That you would get. So um, mm-hmm. it's more than just having a good retirement plan in place. You need to know how to manage that plan also.
0: Yeah. Cause there's a lot of companies out there like E-Trade where you can just jump in there and start buying and selling stocks on your own. But I mean, as you mentioned, there's, there's so many ways to invest money. I would always just think that the experts are the ones that obviously are studying the markets every day and have a better pulse on what are some of the best stock stocks to invest in. Um, Would you say that uh, just basically like what you just touched on people jumping in and buying stocks, maybe because they have an emotional reaction to seeing Elon Musk talk about electric cars and what they're kind of hearing on the street and then they buy it and then it'll go down and then they sell and, this emotional type of buying and selling—you um, talk in your book about emotions regarding money and not making decisions based on these emotions. Um, tell us a little bit about why emotional investing and jumping in and jumping out is not a bad is is a bad idea, and why using someone like you, who is a, a fiduciary, who's Job is to advise the client, which is different from a financial advisor, correct? Well, I, I always break it
1: down. A fiduciary has an obligation to always do what's right for the client um, ahead of their own interest. And, you know, for years, advisors were commission-driven. And so there was a conflict there that, well, if I put you in one product, I get paid more than just a flat fee making sure you're doing the right thing at all times for the client. So the commission salesperson, uh, that was one way people used to engage an advisor. Today, the majority of people are engaging fiduciaries because of that higher standard, if you will. Um, Talking about the emotions, Warren Buffett coined a phrase back in 2008. He said that, let me think about it now. Be fearful when everyone is greedy and be greedy when everyone is fearful. So what that's taught me over the years is simply that don't try and make emotional decisions. Don't chase the hot market cycle, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's real estate. Maybe it's a stock market. You know, be be careful and make sure that you uh, don't get emotional about things. You know, you you might say to yourself, why are people paying 50,000 more to buy a home today? Because that's what people are doing. Well, does that make it right? Does it make it that it's going to be too expensive uh, of a a financial decision? Um, So be careful. Don't get greedy. You know, don't be greedy when everyone else is greedy. You know, you need to be fearful when those things occur, when people are chasing. Or just call you or they could just call me and I'll try and talk them into, you know, try and, you know, advise them and give them the right sense
0: uh, of how they should proceed. Yeah. So, so in doing your audiobook here, 33 ways not to screw up your financial life. You do have a quote from Henry Ford here on one of the first pages. It says, if money is your hope for independence, you will never have it. The only real security that a man will have in this world is a reserve of knowledge, experience, and ability, and I really like that because a lot of people do end up chasing things just for the money, and you uh, know that that never ends well because as soon as you do get the money, really what money does, and what I've discovered, um, just from meeting people who have a ton of it and having had you know successes in my life where with acting you get paid handsomely. For a job but then you may not work for five or six years so you got to really balance out how to to manage money and that's where i've been on my path to to learn how to create some mastery around money Um, but in terms of if you're just seeking something for the the money and for the financial reward ultimately it never quite works out because even when you make a ton of money it just what money does is what i found is that it makes you or amplifies more of who you are, what your personality is. And so if you're a happy person and you get more money, you're going to be more happy and create more abundance. Where if you're miserable and think, well, if I just had more money, my life would be so much better. I promise you, the more money you have, you will find something to be miserable about. Do you find that with your clients?
1: I do. There are, there are some clients that just like you said, um, you would think that they would have not a care in the world. They would be happy-go-lucky and just enjoying life each and every day. But you find that they have they have more problems and they're not happy on a day-to-day basis. Um, so money, you know, money can't make you happy. It, it can help take the edges off of life, but when you have so much that. You just can't appreciate it anymore because you have so many fam. You know the family dynamics are so interesting, as you've probably have found out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just um, life should be about balance. Yes, we need money, uh, but it shouldn't be. You know, the love of your life. You know, uh, achieving success is one thing. I always tell people it's not about the arrival point. It's it's about the journey and too many times i think people with a lot of wealth feel that they've already hit the arrival point and there's nothing worth there's nothing worth journeying about anymore and, mm-hmm. and they get complacent and then they get bogged down with so many other issues and it, it's yeah. unfortunate yeah
0: yeah I right. feel free, everyone out there who's listening here, if you have a question you'd like to ask Jay, just type it in the chat. Uh, one of our questions is from Justin Kembrel. He's asking, When is the best time to buy a house? Wow.
1: Well, when's the best time? Well, right I mean, now, the housing market, uh, yeah, I always say it out. depends. It depends. You know, um, it really depends on your particular situation. Um, it really depends. Uh, Depends on your age. Is it your first time home? Mm -hmm. How are you going to buy it? Do you have to overpay for it? Like right now I have a realtor. uh, A good friend of mine sends me real estate updates. And he said uh, this one couple has lost eight homes uh, in a row that they did not get the bid. And the last one, there was no contingencies and they offered $50,000 more for this single family home Mm -hmm. around the Coatesville area. Um, I would say it depends, you know, don't pay up for an asset that, you know, that you could lose money on in the next 12 to 24 months, unless mm-hmm. you plan to live there forever and it doesn't matter on the price.
0: Mm-hmm. So a lot depends on the situation. And uh, as far as your career, Jay, what would you say are some of the, uh, the challenges that you've faced along the way? Because a lot of what I like to talk about on the show is things that you've personally overcome, t- some challenges that, uh, that you've been faced with, and then maybe if you could touch on some challenges that you see some of your clients facing with regards to money and how you are able to help them out.
1: Well, I would say that um, most of my clients, you know, some of the challenges they face is when they're going through maybe uh, the first stock market pullback or the first recessionary event as they're working with an advisor and they've saved some money, uh, those are challenging times for them. And I usually find that when we can get them over that first recession or that a couple of those market pullbacks, they become better educated on understanding that uh, the, the markets are gonna go up and down over time, but historically they tend to go higher. So you, mm-hmm. you need to just be patient uh, so many of those times. Um, I remember back in 1987, I was in the business three years, and uh, Black Monday occurred, which is known for one of the uh, biggest one-day downturns in the market. It was down 22% that day. And that wasn't the first uh, upsetting news I ever got in my career. Uh, you could go on to the, uh, the housing crisis, the savings and loan crisis. Uh, the Great Recession was another difficult period for so many people. And... Um, Matter of fact, it was during the Great Recession that I started writing the messages from the Money Masters, just because I saw so many things that people were experiencing. And I wanted to write about how do we get through this? How do we come out on the other side? And how do we come out um, being, I'll say, victorious versus feeling like a victim, you know, of, of our circumstances. So A lot of challenges, but you do learn to get through them and you learn,
0: you you definitely learn how to get your clients through them also. And what would you say are some of the challenges that you've overcome in your career?
1: Well, I would say that every one of those recessionary events, I mean, the great recession of 08 and 09, I saw my income drop by 54%. And I really was feeling, I thought, boy, after, you know, after 25 years in the business, I've seen everything. I know how to get, you know, get over, uh, you know, and help my clients overcome. And that was a real eye opener for me. That was really difficult. Um, I remember telling my wife, you know, we might as well stay a little longer. We took a few days off for my birthday. I remember telling her, opening the Wall Street Journal, And it said, you know, the Dow's probably going to hit 5,000. And that was in March of 2009. And I said, if this keeps falling, I'm not going to have an income to go back to. I won't have an office. And that was a real eye-opener for me. That was a very challenging time. Uh, But we got through it. And we rebuilt. And you become smarter. You you find your your way to get through. And uh, but... There were times when I didn't think it was going. We were going to be able to get through it. I I didn't know what was going to happen.
0: So, so the conversations that you were having with your wife during these kinds, these down times, because I think this finances and money really can have an effect on people's personal relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did you personally get through it with your wife? Because money can create a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Did you? Did you uh, just double down and just l- try to just keep looking for good investments during that time? Did you, uh, did you start educating yourself more on different kinds of investments? Um, physically, did you go to the gym, do any meditation to deal with the stress? Like, What did that look like?
1: Um, <clears throat> I think I started paying attention to uh, Joel Osteen quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I started to listen to his, uh, his words of wisdom and, uh, you know, the, you know, that every, you know, that there's opportunity, you know, in the midst of the valley, there's, there's going to be an opportunity and you just mm-hmm. have to, you got to be willing to get through that valley, if you will. Um, but my wife and I talked about retiring instead of retiring in Southwest Florida, um, as we had bought some property there, we started talking about, uh, maybe we have to retire in Nicaragua or, you know, some other country, because um, I was reading that, oh, for 2000 a month, you can live like a king in this country, that country. So we really had a lot of heart to heart talks about, hey, maybe we have to downsize, Mm -hmm. we have to cut back here or there. Um, So it was a very challenging time, uh, very challenging time. But yeah, as far as investments, one thing we did do is I kept investing each month, you know, because I realized that, when there's volatility, markets are priced cheaper than what they were the year before the year before. So just like someone's saving their 401k, don't stop saving if the market's down, mm-hmm. Keep putting your money in, rebalance. You got to rebalance your risk. Make sure you're at the right risk level for the situation and just keep going, which is what we did. And, you know, everybody that stayed and, and diversified through that market of 08, 09, you know, the market was at 6,500. Now look where the Dow is, look where the S&P mm-hmm. is. So the lesson there is, you know, if you did go to the sideline, you, you, needed to have a, you needed to know when to get back in, Colin. And if you don't know when to get back in, you probably shouldn't get out because you need to have both strategies, you know, the, the, before I'm getting out and this is the timeline I'm going to get back in. Anyway, that's how we managed it. And yes, I worked out a lot. Um, I have a gym at my, at my home and every morning I was down there probably five days a week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So each chapter of your book is another tip on how to not screw up your financial life. So for instance, Chapter one is giving the IRS or Uncle Sam an interest-free loan each year. Chapter two is <clears throat> waiting to start saving for retirement. Of all the 33 chapters, what would you say is your favorite?
1: Well, um, I like all 33, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my favorite is, is, chap, is chapter one, mainly because so many Americans – Get a, a fat tax refund check back and they just miss that opportunity to get that money working for them through through their lifetime you know yeah
0: you said um, the average irs tax return check back to americans is 2900 right yeah. so yeah. they're holding on to you people's money they're earning interest on it when we should be earning interest on that money absolutely absolutely so what's your advice with regards to that? Um, seek out some advice
1: from a good tax tax person and try and reduce that if you can. You know, you could add two hundred or two hundred fifty dollars a month to your budget at which point you could start maybe saving a little for retirement, saving for an emergency fund that most people don't have today. Um, And then maybe a medium-term goal uh, is to put a little more money aside for a home uh, or maybe even a second home. Some of my clients that I've counseled were getting $9,000 a year back. Mm -hmm. I had one client when I shared the story about my $9,000 a year client. He said, Jay, I got $24,000 back last year. And I said, and he's in a, he's, um, he's a business owner and they just, they miscalculated significantly on what he put away and the earnings Mm -hmm. for that year. Um, so you have to stay on top of it. If you're an entrepreneur, you don't want to owe the IRS 10 grand or 20 grand, but, um, you certainly can fine tune it and at least, um, minimize those, those big IRS, uh,
0: you know, checks that you get back. So obviously working with a, a, really good tax advisor, and you're able to help people with that too, maybe help with recommendations. I know you can't necessarily do it here on the show; it mm-hmm. violates—is it FTC laws with regards to advertising and that sort of thing? Is that when it comes it's, to um, talking about this stuff?
1: Well, uh, uh, Finra, yeah, Finra. There's Finra and the SEC. Securities the okay. Exchange Commission has rules against. Um, you know, we can't practice tax. We can't practice uh uh, tax law unless we're you know certified as a cpa or an accountant Mm -hmm. so we work with we try and tee clients up with those right tax people that can help them with
0: that and um yeah so for the average person out there let's say they are now in a position where they're just going to start or have been investing for a little bit even if someone only has like maybe a couple hundred dollars a month to invest what would you advise them to do would you advise them to do a mixture of stocks bonds real estate like how would you like people can start getting into real estate with real estate investment trusts where mm-hmm. it doesn't require a whole lot of money it's not like you're actually buying your own physical asset it's more so you're investing into a fund that invests in real estate so what would you say for someone who's just maybe got a, even if it's a hundred bucks a month, where would you advise people to start? Well, what
1: I, what I refer to in my messages from the Money Masters is I tell everyone they should execute a SNL, what I call the SNL strategy for their, for their money. And the SNL strategy is simply you need three buckets, short term, not so short term and long term money. So if they have two, $300 extra a month, we need to determine how much should go to each of those buckets. As far as investing, if you're going to invest for the long-term, mm-hmm. um, we do a risk analysis for people to determine, is, is the real estate uh, trust the right place for them to direct that 100 bucks or whatever it is? Um, is there another asset class that they should be looking at? So we try and diversify it across large cap, small cap, mid cap growth and value. And then within that, you'll have things like real estate, perhaps, and other items that you can you can uh, balance out in there. So it's a real diversification approach, it really is. I try not to get uh, too, I love real estate, uh, by the way. And um, I think I bought my first uh, real estate property, I was 25 years old and it was a four family unit. I lived in one and lived rent-free and rented the other three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was my start into real estate. So it depends on what a person is, you know, comfortable with as
0: to in yeah. their risk and their time, timeline, time horizon. Heather Huff is asking, would you say the safest investment for the average person would be to start with index funds? And she's also asking, uh, investing through a Roth IRA, for example?
1: Well, you know, there's um, there are benefits to investing in index funds. I know Warren Buffett talks a lot about if you don't know a lot about investing, that an index type fund is the way to go because you can get diversification and um, you're not trying to figure out what you should be buying and when. You just basically put your money in on a monthly basis and that kind of takes care of itself. Um, and the Roth is, you know, the Roth has some great tax advantages to it. I would say, once again, talk to, a, talk to a fiduciary, talk to an advisor to find out, is the Roth the best place for you or would a traditional IRA be better or should you be taking advantage of the 401k plan if that's available? But there's, there's pros and cons to each, each one that you would invest in, whether it be the Roth or the, the, the taxable. taxable IRA.
0: Okay. So basically just give Jay a call, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Well, Um, you can, you know
1: what, if you don't want to, if you don't want to call, I wanted to throw this out. You know, you can look up, you can go to a site, it's called the findyourindependentadvisor.com. And if you punch in your zip code, it will share with you like five or 10 (laughs) advisors within your, your region. And you can go and call two or three of them and see who, has, who, has, um, who you feel the most comfortable with and who is going to be able to help you based on where you are right now with your situation. So, and
0: sorry, what was that URL again? Um, findyourindependentadvisor.com. Find your independentadvisor.com. Find your independentadvisor.com.
1: And these advisors are all going to be registered investment advisors slash fiduciaries. So okay. no commissioned,
0: no commissioned people for the most part. It's, it's all fiduciaries. Awesome. And I would highly recommend everyone go and grab Jay's book. Even in the first chapter, you mentioned a great place to go to, just to even see how much, so the IRS actually provides a free calculator to help you get, uh, determine how much you're going to be getting back in taxes. Is that right?
1: I, I believe, I believe that's,
0: that is the site we,
1: we outlined in the book. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you just get the book or wait till the audio version comes out and you can find out some of these uh, tips and strategies. But um, tell us, how did your, how did this book 33 ways not to screw up your financial life come about?
1: Well, I was, um, After the first book, I mean, obviously, we we know we both uh, share the same publisher, Melissa Wilson of Networlding Publishing. She had called me um, and said, hey, I'm coming out. I want to come out with a series and it's going to be a series of short books with um, with various authors. And she asked me if I would like to do one relating to financial mistakes and and she at That time said, I believe the, the books are going to be called 33 Ways Not to Screw Up Your Something. Right? Mm-hmm. Mine was financial. Um, there's another, there's three others uh, that were done, written by uh, three women entrepreneurs. Uh, one is Dr. Marge Johnson, uh, Saudia Davis, and mm-hmm. Ann Janzer. And if you uh, go to Amazon and punch in 33 ways not to screw up, you'll see the other three books there. But, uh, she brought that, she brought that to me and I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. The most difficult part was trying to keep it to 33 because I'm sure Colin, you and I could probably <laughs> come with another hundred each of other things. Yeah, and Maybe that'll be a second book, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Who knows? And, uh, how would you say the average person can become financially independent?
1: Well, I remember a quote that uh, Ben Franklin uh, made, and it, it basically says that people don't plan to fail; they fail to plan. And by failing to, to plan, they they t- have a tendency to fail. So I would say, you know, the first step is, uh, you know, you really have to have goals. You have to set some goals and you you have to be willing to want to change your situation because, you know, and, and then be willing to move ahead and, um, and make some changes. So it's going to take a commitment to change your mindset. Um, it's going to take a commitment for you to learn and educate yourself of how to be smarter with money. And you can do it more quickly if you work with a coach or, I always say, work with a wealth coach, work with an advisor that um, should be able to help get you there quicker and mm-hmm. avoid some of the mistakes that you might make on your own.
0: But goals, you would say, are super important. That's definitely something that I talk about and, and I coach with setting these uh, these goals and writing them down. That's something that you talk about, too, right? putting them down into writing. And then you also talk about in your book, actually creating mechanical ways or automated ways for you to be able to do this, whether that's having a certain amount of money automatically withdrawn from your bank account every month and put into a certain fund where you don't even have to think about it, right? Where there's not even the choice of, well, do I want to buy a new pair of shoes or a new suit, or do I put this in, do I stay with my consistent investment strategy, where when you take away the negotiating part of it, then it just gets done and you don't have to worry about it. I, I agree.
1: Um, I tell I tell a lot of clients when they come in, you know, they want me to look at their budget. And inherently every budget is missing a key component. And the key component <laughs> is them, right? They aren't, they're not anywhere on the budget, you know. So they wait till they pay all their bills. They get down to the end of the month, and it's like, well. We have 150 bucks to do something with and maybe that money, you know, gets put away for their future. So I always tell people, let's, let's start over, get rid of the budget. Let's start with a spending plan because everybody loves to spend money, right? Nobody likes a budget. Mm-hmm. So let's have a spending plan. But the difference is you're going to be the first person in that spending plan mm-hmm. and that you becomes... Your financial future that you is going to take care of that short term, medium term and long term goal that you're talking to me about. So we have to take action. And by making it automatic, my 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 uh, favorite uh, one of my favorite authors, David Bach, all his books talk about making it automatic. Just Mm -hmm. what you said. It comes right out of your checking account comes right out of your paycheck, goes to the retirement plan and goes where it needs to go. So, but you're paying yourself first through that spending plan. So you've
0: kind of actually feel good about it because you're taking care
1: of yourself first.
0: And in terms of the goals that you help your clients set up, you know, when we started the conversation, it was, if you focus solely on money, then, you know, that's, that's not the healthiest perspective or way of looking at this. In terms of goals, what do those goals actually look like when you're creating them with your with your clients?
1: Well, you know, one of the first goals one of the first goals we try and do is make sure that the client has money set aside in the event of emergency. So the first goal really should be you should have an emergency fund. You probably realize that when COVID hit, the number of people that were living paycheck to paycheck, and and hence, the government came out and had all of these incentives to kind of forego your rent, forego the mortgage payments. I mean, that was probably a good move because nobody had three months or six months worth of money set aside. They're, they're mm-hmm. living, the majority of Americans, in a really good economy that we had going into 2020. We're still living paycheck to paycheck. So those goals, I try and break them into three categories. One is that short-term goal. So you have an emergency fund in case something goes wrong. You lose your job. You get sick. Um, the, the second is not so short-term assets where maybe you're saving for that home. Maybe you're saving mm-hmm. for the second home. Maybe you're saving for college, for the children. Um, the third bucket of money is really long-term retirement money. And those are, so So we, we try and talk about, what is that going to mean for you? You know, if one day you go to retire, how do you want to retire? Do you want to be working until you're 75? Or if you do these, make these right financial transactions or moves now, you're going to have a different lifestyle when you get to those different points. So we're trying to create, independence, trying to create a peace of mind lifestyle doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're going to be the richest person on your block. But if you got that peace of mind, you're going to be able to get through most of the difficulties that you're going to you know, come up against in life. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be comfortable with it. You're going to say, OK, maybe we're not exactly where we want to be, but we are taking care of this and we do have this in place and we are moving ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes time that's um, the one thing you learn you know becoming independent or financially um, independent it just takes time
0: yeah yeah and so in the the arena of mindset you know I, I talk a lot about mindset with with my coaching and and I've done a lot of research into you know accomplishing my own goals of of uh, just creating okay. some discipline with with my mindset how would you say that the mindset conversation goes with the clients that you work with. And is it really a, uh, a mindset shift when you're working with clients with regards to money?
1: It, it, there is. Um, when a client comes in and they really want to make changes, they, they know that they've been doing, they might be doing, maybe they've been doing three quarters of everything correctly. And we just want to come in there and try and improve it. Sometimes those improvements is going to take a mindset change. And, um, you know, I always like the, um, think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. One of the things he talked about, he's, he felt that even beyond hard work was that, um, you need to develop a positive and an enthusiastic mindset. Um, because if you don't have a positive mindset about where you want to be and how you're going to get there, a lot of times you're, you're bogged down with perhaps maybe the way you were raised, you know, things you were taught as a child. Um, you may have a, um, a poverty mindset. You may have a, an entitlement mindset. Mm-hmm. And these can all take your shift, your, your mind off of where you need to be going. Um, my dad was raised um, during the depression years. He had a scarcity mindset. I mean, he didn't throw anything out ever. Um, and mm-hmm. so different mindsets will challenge you, but it, it, it's something you can learn and you can change and modify over time. But it does mm-hmm. take time, you know. So yeah. any improvement along the way will
0: will be a big improvement for you long, over the long haul. Yeah, I encourage people to really look at the uh, look at it for what it really is. When I hear people talk about things like when they say things like, Oh, debt. It's I don't want to take on any debt. It's debt is going to kill me. Like they literally use words like that where it's like, okay, let's look at this for what it really is and what debt is. It's paying additional money for the privilege of being able to purchase something now rather than later. And Mm -hmm. so if you can afford that, if it works into your budget, then great. If it doesn't, then don't do it. But when we start to involve these emotionally charged words like debt is this debt is killing me, it literally can start to create that negative internal perception that you really are dying and that you are going to like with the anxiety and the stress that that this money conversation has to do. And, and a lot of people deal with this, deal with it. And as an actor, when I'm, you know, I make money and then there, there are long stretches where the money's not coming in. And I literally have to, you know, that anxiety, that stress starts mm-hmm. to come up of like, okay, how, you know, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to afford this? And when when we don't have the answer to something, that's where the stress comes from. So mm-hmm. what I've discovered is that even just Having a conversation about it, and then really looking at it for what it is—that it's not going to kill you, mm-hmm. that it's just writing down. Okay, what is what is what are we actually looking at, black and white, and then and then start coming up with a plan in order to work things out. That's usually the advice that I have uh, not only given myself but have mm-hmm. uh, given other people when dealing with with uh, just goals and and aspiring towards creating some of the things that may, they may have not thought were possible. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that it's, that's something similar to what the conversation looks like when you're talking to your clients? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny how, just how we were raised can affect our, uh, our perception on, on money and, and what we're willing and not willing to, to do.
1: Absolutely. I, I, um... I
0: found a very good, there's a
1: very good website out there called investopedia.com. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people, you can, um, you can learn a lot, ask, you can go there and find a lot of interesting financial questions. You mentioned debt. One of the questions I get a lot is, Jay, should I pay my medical student loan back? You know, um, and, you know, I, I always say it depends on what interest rate you're paying and mm-hmm. what you can earn elsewhere. So, you know, uh, Investopedia, you could look that question up and it'll tell you the answer.
0: It'll right. tell
1: you what I would tell you mm-hmm. as far as debt. Um, you know, nobody likes to be in too much debt, but if you're only paying one or two percent on that debt, you right. might want to do not be in a hurry to pay that medical loan down. And uh, so... Anyway, I wanted to share that Investopedia because it's a wealth of knowledge um, that you can find on that and get get some answers to some of your questions.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jay. Uh, Next question. What are the two best kept secrets to successful investing, would you say? Hmm. Well, there's a lot. Uh,
1: There's a a lot out there. I would say the... um, The story of compounding is, is a money best kept secret. Um, I would say that time is another best kept secret when it comes to money. John Bogle from Vanguard, who started the Vanguard funds, his one of his famous quotes was it's not, it's time in the market, not trying to time the market where you're going to see your best results. So, You take a 19-year-old, for example, and a 19-year-old puts $2,000 away for eight years. And he earns 10% on that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Another person waits seven or eight years to start. And they start at 27 or 28. And they do $2,000 a year. That first young man who saves for eight years at 10%, he'll have over a million dollars at age 65. Hence, the time is so important.
0: Person compounding at like what percent? 10%. 10%. 10%. Okay.
1: And, you know, most advisors will use eight to 10. 10 is kind of what the average mark, the S&P has done over the last, I don't know, 50 or 60 years. So 10% is an okay number if you're just calculating potential for the future. Um, but that other person who waited so many years that person has to actually keep saving to age 65 to only have about $850,000. So um, the value of compounding Mm. is something people don't think about, but also time, time of compounding. So if you wait later, you just have to save more to have the same amount. If you would start when you were young.
0: Okay. And as far as some of these newer types of investments out there in the world, like bitcoin you know <laughs> what of, about. what's your opinion on these uh these newer types of investments because a lot of people are getting a, very rich off of these types of uh newer investments and i think a lot of people still are not quite sure what it is some people say it's it's all a house of cards um what's your opinion on this sort of thing well,
1: I believe that in the future, there will be more choices to invest in things like crypto or let's call them country backed currencies, United States, China. I think Turkey mm-hmm. has their own cryptocurrency. Um, I, you know, I remember, I remember when cr- crypto things first came out and early on, There was some money made, but a lot of people lost money early on. Now we've seen the Bitcoin really take off, but you wouldn't have wanted to be the person that bought it at 55 or 60,000 when it's at 40 or wherever it finished Mm -hmm. today. Because It it actually, you know, they, what I hear is they say that it's, it's going to be an alternative to the stock market. But yet when the stock market dropped, it dropped along with the stock market. And, and then, then you saw maybe gold and silver, another asset class kind of start to step up. Mm-hmm. My opinion on it is that if you don't understand it, then maybe stay away from it. Mm-hmm. I think they'll there'll come, many people that got in early, some are richer. There's probably some that aren't richer, but they're not going to tell you about it. Um, there I got to brag and tell you, hey, I bought Bitcoin at 50,000 when it dropped down to 30. Um, so just I tell people, you know, if you understand it, great. Um, never invest more than what you can afford to lose. So Mm -hmm. if you had $60,000, if it were my money, I wouldn't go out and buy Bitcoin, or let's say it's 40,000. If I had $40,000 today, I wouldn't go buy Bitcoin today. I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see a little more. Uh, I'd like to see the United States come in with theirs and have them back it up.
0: And, you know, and when you say theirs, because, you know, I, as you mentioned, I've seen like El Salvador now has their own Bitcoin. And when you say each country having their own cryptocurrency, you're saying as an alternative to their national currency? Uh, yes, because I
1: believe that eventually. I believe this is my belief that eventually um, paper money is going to go by the wayside Mm -hmm. because it's too easy to, to be able to not have it taxed countries realize that paper money you can uh, there's things that, um, you know, people can get away from, you know, they're paying cash so they're not paying tax on it. I think cryptocurrency would eliminate that because they're going to be able to track every cent and every dollar. Um, uh, I just, I think years down the road, I, I know a lot of analysts believe that, um, Bitcoin will grow as more people become comfortable with it and understand it. So I, I try not to, um, I'm, I do not push, you know, those asset classes, uh, on my clients. I just try and give them a reasonable outlook of what it is. And I know that there's a lot of, um, cryptocurrencies out there that haven't done as well as some of the ones we see every day. And that's what what worries me is, you know, how much are people getting hurt on these little no name because they can go up three, 400, 5,000% in a short time. But if they can go up that fast, they also can come down pretty fast too.
0: Yeah. Yep. And uh, lastly, You know, it's 2022, we're seeing inflation start to creep its ugly head. What are some financial reminders or investment tips you would recommend for our audience for uh, 2022 and the years ahead?
1: Well, I would uh, tell you to, you know, invest in what you know. Invest in what you know and invest in what you understand. Uh, Educate yourself so that you have a better understanding of what it is you're putting your money into don't just take your friends advice that oh let's go buy the cryptocurrency or let's go buy this uh, this particular stock um and the other thing i would say to you is you know this year for example is going to be volatile last year was a very low volatile market and whenever you have one of those years like we did last year with virtually no volatility history tends to repeat itself and the following year, there's usually more volatility. So I, I'm telling people today, be prepared for more volatility. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're investing for the long, long term in your 401k, don't shy away. Maybe just revisit your allocation. You'll hear mm-hmm. advisors tell you to rebalance. Maybe you rebalance more often now this year because of that volatility. Um, but um, and, and I also say this, try and stay away from Bubbles, asset class bubbles. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not saying which ones are out there right <laughs> now, but I would certainly say, um, just be careful.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you mean by investment class bubbles?
1: Um, I, I would say asset class bubbles. For example, I've been looking probably for the last year, year and a half to find a good deal on a piece of property. There's, they're just, very expensive unless you're rehabbing because I know you do some rehabbing. Okay? Yeah. Um, that's a different, that's a different story. But, you know, when I go to look for multi-unit um, buildings, mm-hmm. uh, they're priced to perfection right now. And um, what that means to me is that as re interest rates go up, you know, I would say you don't want to pay a premium. Don't pay a premium for a particular asset class. Um, yeah. So that would be, that's my story on asset classes. Um, okay. just, yeah, don't chase bubbles. Um, don't invest more than what you can afford to lose. Um, if you happen to buy a property and you're planning to be there for 10, 12 years, the next couple of years, even if market prices come back a little bit, you're mm-hmm. going to be okay because you're planning to stay there for 10, 12 years. Uh, not an impact. But um, if you're looking to flip homes, unless you're buying them you know, to rehab, yeah, you, you'll probably pay a... Uh, premium
0: right now. Yeah, yeah. That's why I've shifted more so towards acquiring acquiring rental properties instead of rehabs. Because when I first got into the rehab market seven years ago, you could buy homes here in Chicago for as little as fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, ninety thousand dollars. And now those same property, that fifty thousand dollar property, is now one hundred and forty. So, I mean, it—it it definitely the margins have definitely shrunk and disappeared. So, it, I think that advice is is spot on. Just to be able to pivot and shift and create an agile mm-hmm. way to invest, and uh, definitely consult a a professional, um, someone such as Jay. And uh, Jay, we're uh, we're approaching the end of the hour here, mm-hmm. and as I always like to do, I love to ask my guests their uh, favorite movie recommendations based on these six questions here. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to tell us some of your favorite films? I am. All right, am. excellent. So the first question is, what is your favorite movie of all time? Well, I, there's, there's,
1: there's many. I would say I really enjoyed Usual Suspects mm. uh, with Kevin Spacey. Uh, I enjoyed Titanic. OK. Wizards of Wall Street with Leonardo. Right. DiCaprio. Oh, Wolf uh-huh. of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. yes.
0: Thank
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was very interesting. Yes. Hard to believe those things happened. And, you know, <laughs> a crazy time. But um, I, I would say I like all the James Bond movies and the Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise. I mean, those I, I love love them all. A lot no. of action, you know given
0: a lot of a lot of movies for your favorite movie you don't have one of all your favorite one of all time well you know i'm, I'm gonna save that for the comedy i'll oh, say yeah. that for the comedy how's that all right sounds good so second question is then what is your favorite comedy my favorite i'm sorry could you know. repeat that what is your favorite comedy
1: comedy yeah. oh, okay well okay um that would be caddyshack uh, i think caddyshack Maybe. with bill murray rodney dangerfield chevy chase was just uh Genius. one of my favorites yeah, yeah one of my favorites my wife actually bought <clears throat> me what she thought was a golf head cover that was the gopher yeah but it really wasn't it really wasn't a head cover it was the actual gopher and it does the dance and you know and oh, the no way yeah. And I, I wanted to bring it tonight, but I forgot it. So ah, no
0: apologies. All good. Yeah. <laughs> Great answer. Uh, what was your favorite movie growing up as a kid? Well, we only had
1: three channels uh, to watch as a kid. Okay. So, you know, lived out kind of in the country and, you know, the old antenna, there was no cable or um, I'm giving away my age a little bit, but um i'm gonna say i you know i loved the wizard of oz mm. i never got tired of watching the wizard of oz judy garland um that was that was a favorite as a kid always watched that it always came out around easter time
0: yeah you know so, okay yeah yeah a great movie that reminds you of uh of just aspiring to uh to, to find the things that are fulfilling in life. And, uh, so many great metaphors in that movie, including there's no place like home. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yes. Uh, next question is, uh, what would you say is your movie that you are embarrassed to say you love? Mm.
1: Can I have more than one? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, I had to think long and hard about that because um, my wife says, all you want to watch is action movies. Uh, but I went back and I kind of remembered some of the movies that I enjoyed watching with uh, my children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that would be probably how the Grinch stole Christmas. Oh. That's, that's just a classic. And um, i about not Is
0: I'm that, sorry? was it the one with Jim Carrey or is it the older one?
1: Well, I like the older one, and when Jim Carrey did it, uh, that was that was really funny. I'm not embarrassed to say I love it. I just think it was just um, one of those unique movies that you don't think that you love that much until you go back and you see it, and you have to watch it over and over again. Um, another movie like that was Shallow Hal. Do you remember that? The yeah. movie, Shallow Hal. Yeah. I, it came up this weekend. I was flipping through the channels and it came up on one of the, I don't know, one of the TBS channels. And I, I, I had, I couldn't put it down. I had to sit and watch it again. I'm like,
0: you know, it's yeah. like it's
1: such a kind of a corny movie. But uh, anyway, I like it just the same.
0: Yeah, it is a funny
1: movie.
0: Uh, who would you say is your favorite actor or male character?
1: I really, I really enjoy Clint Eastwood. Mm. I've always impr- always liked his obviously his older Western movies, but his newer movies have really the ones he's directed has have really um, really shows his talent and his capabilities and yeah. uh, touching on different, I mean things that are outside of what you would normally think. You know that he yeah. would be. You know. Uh,
0: yeah, it's a it's amazing to see. I mean, just watching some of his movies like Dirty Harry and. And that sort of thing. I mean, you, uh, how would you ever think to know that in his 80s and even 90s, he'd be producing these Academy Award films? I mean, it just goes to show you that if you love something and you just keep learning and growing, you can create, you know, some mastery around whatever it is that you're doing to the point where, you know, some people I talk to who are interested in acting, they're like, oh, I'm way too old to, to do that. And I'm like, you're never too old, and you're you're never too old. I'm sure to start investing, right? So, correct. Yeah. Never too late. Never too never late. Too late. Yeah. And uh, lastly, who's your favorite actress or female character? I would say um, Merle Street.
1: I would have mm-hmm. to say she has just been a phenomenal actress over the years, and uh, just every role she plays, she plays. I mean just, she just plays wonderfully. I mean, whether it's the deer hunter or uh, Sophie's choice, things like that. I mean, she is just very, she's just a very talented actress and
0: uh, yeah. Enjoyed her. Absolutely. Love her too. Awesome. Well, Jay, thank you so much for being here tonight. What a pleasure. And uh, it's been, it's been great to be able to read your book and and do the audio book version. And you have something that you wanted to uh, share with your audience in terms of giving away some free books. Please tell us about that and how people can uh, participate in this free giveaway of some of the books that you're offering. Okay, great. So, all your listeners have to do is uh, just go to
1: jkemmer.com. I know they're probably going to show that on the screen, but what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to give. I'm gonna autograph both the the books, 33 Ways. So uh, for the first, I'm gonna say for five people, thank you, Colin. um, I'm gonna autograph those books and send them to people. It's gonna be a random draw. You just have to sign up for it. And then in addition, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna give those five people a choice to, I'm gonna give away five other books. One from Susie Orman, Women and and Money. Um, We're gonna give another book away uh, David Bach, the latte factor. We're going to give, um, seven trying to get it right on the screen. There we go. Seven secrets to investing like Warren Buffett. It's one of my favorites. And one of, uh, one of the other people I wrote about in messages from the money masters was a gentleman named Mike, Mike, uh, uh and his book is get different marketing. Um, He's a phenomenal entrepreneur, um, struck it big when he was very young and ended up losing everything to just Mm -hmm. bad investment choices. And uh, he's a real, he's really got a great comeback story for entrepreneurs and people looking to get ahead and trying to continue to recreate themselves. And uh, so we're going to be giving those books away too. So I have some extra free, um, we'll call them freebies that are also there on the site you'll see. Um, I have a white paper report, uh, also a, a three minute money fix report that I do, do it monthly. So they'll be able to uh, continually get uh, some information from us.
0: Awesome. Well, Jay, thanks again for being here and uh, for offering the opportunity for people out there to reinvent themselves in the conversation of financial investing and financial awareness again if you uh if you guys are interested in getting more information, you can visit jay's website jcammerer.com and um yeah Jay thanks so much thank for you. for being here and for your time hey thank you for thank you for hosting and
1: having me and uh thank you for agreeing to do the audio book yeah, absolutely I can't
0: wait I can't yep. wait to listen to it yep it's it's coming it's almost done. All right, good deal. all right Great. good to thank see you Jay again. thanks for being here thank you again appreciate it All right, take care. All right, what an amazing guy. Um, doesn't he just seem like like, like a dad or like a, a, a really sweet grandfather just offering really good advice? Um, what a great guy. And, uh, and yeah, the offer for him to be able to uh, send you some free books is an opportunity that I would highly recommend you guys uh, take advantage of. And then again, I will be uh, coming out with the audio version of this very soon. So stay tuned for that. And uh, you can also, again, go to, um, you know, just even checking out different advisors. He did recommend uh, checking out findyourindependentadvisor.com. And the fact that he would recommend even doing that just says something about who he is in terms of being generous uh, with his advice and his insight and uh, truly is in line with the whole fiduciary mindset of uh, of doing what's best for for their clients. And then also investopedia.com. So definitely something that uh, you guys can check out. And then again, plenty of uh, insight and knowledge with his books here, which I would definitely recommend um, checking out. And then again, yeah, just with regards to the conversation of money, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, you know, we, we definitely stress out and uh, have anxiety in our lives around things in our lives where we are disempowered around. And uh, a lot of it just comes down to educating yourself on just some basic principles so that you can start putting a plan together. And the more that you are able to uh, create some certainty in your life, in the areas of finance, investing, and being able to retire, the more you're going to eliminate that anxiety, especially when it comes to retiring. So having goals Jay talked about is really important and just Finding out essentially what, how much money you want to have when you retire, and then work back for work backwards so that you can start actually choosing the age that you want to retire at. And uh, if it looks, you know, if you want to retire earlier, then what does that look like in terms of finding some different investments that may have a larger return? And that's something that Jay can definitely uh, give you advice on. So I would highly recommend uh, reaching out to him. And um, in uh, regards to the rest of the week, um, you know, again, it's all about just uh, start getting out of your comfort zone and and start educating yourself on some of the things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily look into. And again, the more that you are able to do this, the more you're able to, uh, to get out of your comfort zone and to start educating yourself on this and surrounding yourself with the right people in your life that you can start learning more from the better. Again, they say the, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. So really take a conscious look at who you are spending most of your time with, who you're, who you are listening to. And um, maybe think about how you want to elevate that conversation in your life so that you can create more mastery in the areas of financial um, investing and, uh, and creating abundance in general around, uh, everything else in your life. So that being said, I just want to wish you guys a great rest of your evening. Happy motivation Monday. Have a great rest of your week and we will see you guys all very soon. Oh, by the way, we have tickets for still available for our inspire events here in Chicago on April 23rd. And uh, you can check tickets out there at my, um, on my Instagram and um, in my little drop down in my link tree. Uh, bio there. And then also Rama Drama, which we are doing in Palm Beach, Florida on June 24th, 25th and 26th, where you have the opportunity to meet a lot of your favorite actors from your favorite movies and TV shows from Lifetime and Hallmark and GAC. And it is going to be an amazing, awesome, awesome, incredible weekend. So would love to see you guys at both of these events. Again, we've got the Inspire in-person event for the first time ever on April 23rd. And then Rama Drama, which you can go to ramadrama.com and see who who are the actors that are going to be there. And um, can't wait to see you guys all there where we get to hang out, take some pictures, and you'll be able to participate in some really fun events and activities. So have a great rest of your week and we'll see you guys all very soon. Take care.